0: Welcome to the Souls Way podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I am a proud First Nations Mohawk author, speaker, and mentor here to meet you at the intersection of personal development and decolonization. I truly believe that when we see ourselves and one another mind, body, emotion, and most of all, soul and spirit. We can break through systematic, ancestral, and generational ways of being that we came here to disrupt and rise above. We can lean into the ways that heal our spirits. I know we can do this through honest conversations, radical responsibility, and healing together in community. Through my stories and the incredible conversations with some truly amazing guests, my hope is that you leave each episode with a more open heart and that you feel emboldened in your medicine and your voice, knowing your ripple effect matters. Our ripple effect matters. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Soul's Way podcast. Today, I have a really exciting episode for you. It's actually a replay From an Instagram live interview that I did over on Beyond the Surface Talks. So you can find them on Instagram at Beyond the Surface Talks. It's a new talk show by my new friend, Ashley Ann, who I met at a women's networking brunch. Um, I met her and her colleague, Tina, and um, they purchased my round table, which is my event for white female coaches or mentors or leaders who want to do better, who want to decolonize their their business and their practices and make people who are in the global majority so indigenous black and brown people feel safe and seen and supported and so they absolutely loved the round table and um, Ashley Ann invited me on to this talk show and it ended up being one of my all-time favorite conversations that I have ever had and so I was like "Ah, I need to put this on the podcast so I got permission from Ashley Ann to share it here with you all And we would love you to share if it resonates, like take a screenshot, copy the link, put it in your stories, or just take a screenshot of it, and tag us. Um, So at Beyond the Surface Talks and at Emily Ann Brandt, we can't wait to hear, I can't wait to hear what you think of this conversation. It is so fire, in my opinion, so enjoy, and I hope to connect with you over on Instagram.
1: Hello, beautiful souls, good evening, welcome to episode number eight eight, I cannot believe we already eight episodes and only have a few left of this season. And today is one of those conversations that are just, that are going to be uncomfortable, but it is going to be so beautiful. And it is so necessary, so incredibly necessary to be having these conversations. And I'm just so honored that today's guest, Emily, has agreed and has said yes to being here and in this space. So I am just going to bring Emily on. She is such an incredible human being. Uh, She is an indigenous author, speaker, mentor, and she she is in this space right now and having, such a powerful conversation around decolonizing the coaching industry. And so without further ado, I am going to bring the one and only Emily to join me. We're gonna bring her on stage, so to speak. Hello, beautiful soul. Good
0: evening, how are you?
1: I'm so good, how are you?
0: Good, so happy to be here.
1: I am so grateful first and foremost. I am so like honored that you said yes. I am grateful that you are here and for the work that you are doing because I'm telling you, I'm sure it'll come up, but like you have truly impacted mine and Tina's life in in so many ways. And so I'm just I and I'm honored and I'm I'm also just happy to create this space to give you a voice as well and so I just I appreciate you so much I'm so grateful for you
0: thank you I appreciate you the honor is all mine I'm, I've been looking forward to this all day all online all week I'm actually like me slightly too. under the weather but I was like I'm not gonna cancel cuz I'm so excited for this conversation oh. but just bear with me if I'm like slow at processing <laughs> I have that like brain fog it's
1: yeah, yeah, all right. good Here. it's so funny I think I um, Ximena if I'm not mistaken when she was on too, I think she was a little under the weather and we just kind of like You know we went through it and so hopefully this is just like, you know Activating and we can just take it where and I'm also trusting, you know I, I gotta tell you I a I've been looking forward to this since the moment you were like Yes, and also since the moment where I was like I would love to have an un, a conversation with you and to just unpack so much Mm-hmm. And I'm also not gonna lie. Like I was kind of nervous too, because I'm like this it's uncomfortable to have these kinds of conversations, but truthfully, it's just, I'm so I'm so glad to be having this conversation. I truly am. like from the bottom of my heart. From my entire heart, I'm so grateful.
0: Oh thank you. Thank you for being, will- being willing to lean into that discomfort because I know, yeah, I always admire when when people can do that, and I know it's not easy. Um, as a white woman to like have that conversation knowing you could, you know, Mm -hmm. you're really uncomfortable or like say the wrong thing or put your foot in your mouth or whatever. So yeah, really, really a lot of respect to you for that. Mm
1: -hmm. So I would love for you to, I know I very briefly kind of touched on that you're a speaker and an author and a mentor, but you are so much more than just those labels. Those are just like not, not enough. I'd love for you to just share even just a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more about your story, because I think you have such a unique perspective when it comes to, you know, being Indigenous, but also having, I know you talk a lot about having um, half, like being half white. And so I'd love for you, just whatever comes up for you, whatever you feel called, I'd love for you to share.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, and hello everyone. Hi, Tina. <laughs> um, <laughs> so honored to be here. So yeah, my name is Emily Ann Brant. I am um, proudly from Tayendinaga Mohawk Territory. So I am Mohawk um, First Nations or Haudenosaunee background on my father's side, and I was like born and raised on a First Nations reserve. Well, not born because the closest hospital is a thirty-minute drive. There is. Mm. It's a very like all reserves. It's remote. Wow. Yeah. Um, from hospitals, from grocery stores, from access to job opportunities—you know, higher education—all of that. But I'm so always and forever going to be proud to call Tyndedega my home. My whole family still lives there. I visit there once a month, um, and I do have a a mother who has European settler ancestry. She's white, and she her ancestors are British, Scottish, and Irish. Um, And obviously, as you can see, um, other than like maybe when I have my beaded earrings on or I'm talking about it, you can tell that I'm indigenous, but for the most part, I'm what we call white passing, meaning Mm -hmm. like if I don't speak out about um, my heritage, then you would just probably assume I'm another white girl. And for much of my life that I actually leaned into that and I got really good at doing white spaces because I started experiencing um the discomfort and the racism as early as like six or seven years old Mm. um so even though i I went to school on a reserve and everyone was mohawk pretty well um except some of the teachers including my mother and i actually saw like a little bit of um i don't want to say reverse racism but like almost the opposite where if you weren't you weren't mohawk enough for the mohawk people and Mm. i felt that as well because in my household we didn't have, um, we didn't speak the language. We didn't go to longhouse together. We didn't practice ceremony. None of that because a, my mom is white and B, um, my dad lost any connection to that as did his parents because of the Indian act, which literally banned the practicing of, um, our beautiful ceremonies, languages, everything was literally illegal to like smudge or go to ceremony or sing songs. And, um, I know Mm. that it's, obviously it's a, like a detrimental loss but my grandmother um her mom was literally a like an indigenous medicine person a healer mm-hmm. and people would come to her and she would just when they were sick and she would grab roots and um cedar and things from her yard and like make them a tea and fix them up and the doctor would literally send them to her um but when i asked my grandma about if anything was passed down to her it's just like no and that conversation kind of gets shut down so there's so much of that um oppression that happened and the stripping away of the culture, um, that I grew up feeling both like too, too native for the white people and too white for the native people. And then, like I said, I leaned hard into my whiteness um, as soon as I started experiencing racism for being Indigenous. And Mm. any, any time that I did reveal um, my Indigenous heritage, it often led to racism or people treating me differently or speaking to me. Um, differently so I got really good at doing white spaces especially here in the coaching industry and really suppressed and denied this part of myself and leaned hard into this like spiritual love and light like let's just all we're all one let's tap in, tap into our oneness let's tap into our power let's yeah use our own beliefs choose our mindset we can do anything and I have a lot of willpower and I'm really ambitious And I've been able to create like a decent amount of success with just mindset and pushing through and powering through until it caught up with me, like the denying a whole piece of who I am, denying the oppression that's there, the pain that's there, the ancestral trauma that's there. And then when I did come to terms with realizing this is actually a big thing that I'm worthy of healing, Mm
1: -hmm. my
0: white coaches weren't able to hold space for it. They just met me with like total, it was like crickets or like a heart if I brought it in the group chat, which felt very vulnerable and scary to do, it was like met with like a heart reaction. And I'm like, say more, say more things. Like that's not enough. And that's yeah. actually traumatizing to bring up something really um, really painful like that. And then, and then nothing. Yeah. Um, so we see this a lot in the coaching industry, which is why I'm now um, talking about it so much and kind of moving into con- consulting work because I know what I need as, <laughs> As an indigenous person as someone with lived experience being from an oppressed marginalized community i know what i need to feel safe and seen and held in containers and right now that's just not happening in this industry so i'm really passionate
1: about that yeah there is so much like i am like <laughs> so ding, 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 ding. i'm like question question and i'm like okay <laughs> one of the biggest things i'll start with the round table first and foremost one of the biggest things that And it kind of ties into exactly what you're just saying. But one of the biggest things that was like this aha moment, and I think it was really big for myself and Tina because we just continuing this conversation. And truthfully, you've inspired us to, especially as two people who are in the space of not necessarily like, well, coaching, I guess, but we're bringing stories into the world. You know, like that is our utmost passion, you know, and that is the thing that we know that we're here to do and Yet we can't ignore and what you've almost sparked open or cracked open was that people don't feel safe and It's it's not just It's not just like oh, vulnerability is scary. It's so much deeper than that and truthfully if it wasn't for you I never would have had the awareness that I have now. And truthfully for us, it's like, okay, we, we can't unhear this, we can't unsee this. And for us, we're like, we wanna do better in terms of, you know, specifically our space where collective voices, where we're inviting people to share their story and we're literally creating the container in the space. And it's like, hold on a second it's not just about oh i'm vulnerability scary it is deep in in genetics in in our in your bones of feeling afraid because of being stripped and because of this act and and being told you can't practice you can't practice what your the spiritual the ceremony like you can't and so it's now in in your bones and so i'm curious in terms of like that aspect that angle for you and how have you been able to work through that because obviously like you've gone off and like written a book you speak you are doing all the things too so i'm just curious like your perspective on it
0: yeah thank you i had some light bulbs going off as you were sharing so thank you for sharing all of that it's it's so true it's so much more than just so one thing, we all have stories, we all have trauma, we all have difficult lives because life is hard. If you're a human, yeah. you've, had, you've had a difficult life. Um, but I think what a lot of white people miss because they just don't have the lived experience, which is why it's so important to try your best to understand what you can never understand, mm-hmm. um, like lean in anyways with compassion and curiosity And just like fully listen like um, like you're doing like Tina's doing and um, how in terms of how I've worked through that I mean first of all I will say the book I'm like super embarrassed of it cringe at it because the book I wrote from a very whitewashed like love and light we're all one that kind of perspective I barely touched on like I touched a little bit on racism and religion is like the cause um, that caused a lot of my indigenous ancestors to go through genocide and literally be killed because it, it leads to like one people one group of people thinking they're right and everyone else is wrong and they literally kill people over it um, mm-hmm. so I talked like a tiny tiny bit about that but I honestly like I know there's another book in me um, and I've actually written before my first thing I ever published Uh, which was probably like 10 years ago now, was a short story and it was about residential schools. It was a fictional story, but based on um, very real events, right? Residential schools in Canada and and the U.S. A lot of Americans think, oh, that's a horrible (laughs) Canada had that. No, no, the U.S. as well. Um, And the last one only closed in 1996. And these are schools where um, indigenous children were forced to go and assimilate into Christian, white, Catholic, Society learn English forbidden to speak their language. They were beaten. They were abused and they were killed and I wrote a story about it when I was in college and that um, I don't know that just felt um, like a passion of mine like something I couldn't not share Um, but I know Mm -hmm. that there is more in me that I do want to share that is like my story and my experiences and Um, I've had opportunities come up where it just kind of didn't feel right. Um, I had a white woman approach me and she was like, I really want to amplify indigenous voices and I'm going to make a collective book um, and it's going to be all indigenous stories. But she was a white woman and she was hiring a white woman to do the artwork for the front cover. And Mm. it, it just didn't really feel safe to give my words to her. So I and my intuition was just going off like, no, this isn't it. Um, so that was a no for me Um, so I I just have to kind of follow my intuition and stay sovereign in like my story is mine and I do believe story is medicine and it should be shared and I love that you and Tina are all about sharing stories because that and that's a huge part of our culture too is storytelling it's medicine
1: well it truly is and it's it's I've always said I've always stood behind this that I will never know and Aside from the white the indigenous I will never know what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes Just like I will never know what it's like to walk a mile in anyone's shoes except my own and so Story Story is what allows us to Not again. It's 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 difficult. We're never gonna be able to do that, but it just gives us a glimpse it it allows us to get a glimpse of what that is like. And that's why I truly have always come back to story. It's why this show exists, it's story. It's it's the thing that can truly like bring us together. Um, And it, yeah, like it just, it is medicine. And it's interesting because this morning I was kind of like, I was drinking like cacao and all I kept hearing was just like story is medicine, like love is medicine. And I'm just like, yeah it really is it really is yeah and And the thing is too is like i wanted to say as well in terms of the whole book aspect is like if it weren't for that first book even though it's like you don't feel like you probably are just like i'm never promoting it i don't even want to promote it i don't want to talk about it i feel that funny enough with my book too because i'm just like it i've just evolved so much from that but it's like if it wasn't for that first book the next one is gonna be, it's gonna be easier, quote unquote, to be able to put it out. It's not the first one. It's like, I've done this before, at least we've got that out of the table. And it's like a different depth and a different layer that we're kind of tapping into. But it's like, all right, like we know that we can do this thing. And at least we got the first like one out of the way kind of thing.
0: Yeah, totally. And like that, this is why you write, this is why authors write more than one book, like we evolve. We grow, it happens sometimes, like even a post that I wrote three months ago won't resonate anymore. And it's just mm-hmm. because I'm committed to growth and evolution over a lifetime. So I've learned to like stop shaming myself for outgrowing myself, cause that's literally what we're all here for. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely like excited to get another book out there that's more reflective of my authentic, like my authentic truth and my voice
1: for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um, so I'm kind of curious in terms of, I know we're kind of like tapping into it, but I feel like we can like really dive in, but the coaching industry, like, tell me. Mm -hmm. Well, I've heard you speak about it and you are the one person that truly I'm just following that is talking about it, but like in your own perspective and just whatever comes through, what is the problem right now, specifically with the coaching industry?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you were at the round table, but for those who weren't, and to put it very, very bluntly, the problem with the the coaching industry is that it's upholding white supremacy in a nutshell. It is upholding and perpetuating white supremacy culture. And when I say white supremacy, your first thought might be like KKK, like white supremacists, you think of like the most overtly racist people. And that's not at all what I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. Um, what I'm referring to when I say white supremacy and how it's being upheld by the coaching industry it's more about the silence it's more about the gaslighting. it's more about the ignoring of um, the pain of black brown indigenous um, people of color of our very real pain our very real trauma with all this love and light bypassing that happens that again I used to be so guilty of like I was literally a love and light white yeah. woman spiritual bypassing coach in an indigenous body um and then i had to wake up from being woke and from this industry and something i was just talking about today on um, my interview with cyra rao she's an amazing author, new york times bestselling author of this book called white women everything you already know about your own racism and how to do better and yeah. there's a good section in her book on like the wellness industry and the coaching industry that is so fire and um one thing it talks about is like the trauma of white supremacy culture, which refers to this like endless, um, strive for perfection that doesn't exist. This impossible goal of achieving perfection. That is is—it's the hustle culture. It's the, um, never enough. And this is what the coaching industry depends on and thrives on. So it depends on yeah. women, especially feeling not enough, feeling, too fat feeling too ugly feeling not good enough um it depends on that to to create sales so come learn to love yourself come be in my program come get empowered and then it feeds it with more white supremacy culture meaning more of the same well if you really want to advance then you actually need my 10k mastermind and these are for the women who like are really going next level six and seven figures Then you got to be in this like 100K offer. If you really want to play, you got to pay to play. And it just feeds into the capitalism, the colonial ways of being the authority figures that we see versus an indigenous um, approach or any um, BIPOC community. Like our ways are all about community care. They're about circles. They're about equal reciprocity, us thriving and growing together. But Mm -hmm. in white supremacy culture, we see toxic individuality. We see yeah. me, 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 per, like literally personal development, self help, me, 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 me. And it's this toxic individualism that's not good for any of us, including white folks. It's yeah. so unhealthy. And something I said today in the interview was like, and I said at the round table is like, we as entrepreneurs and coaches and, and light workers and healers, we left corporate because we saw the toxic colonial BS and we wanted out, we wanted out of the rat race only to join a new race, same rats, different race. Cause now it's like, who can reach 10K months the fastest? Who can crack six figures? Who can crack seven figures? Oh what, you haven't been featured in Forbes yet? You haven't been featured in Goss Magazine? Like there's all, It's never enough. And when yeah. is enough enough? That's the biggest problem in the coaching industry. And it's it's become less about like actually human to human, soul to soul connection and healing and more of just another version of that capitalistic, harmful, harmful culture.
1: And the thing that's important, and and I'm glad that you are saying this too, because I was actually listening to the podcast episode, like I think your latest one that you put out maybe like end of last week, it was super, Mm -hmm. I know, and it was super vulnerable for you to put out there too, but I was so happy to be listening to it because of just your perspective on the whole the it's so this pers- the way that the industry is and it's not just not serving bipoc or as you call which i absolutely love is the global majority yes it's not good for any human being literally period and i think period. i think we're feeling it i think we're i think a lot of us are feeling where it's like You just are in this cycle where it's like, okay, I'm feeling pretty shitty about myself and I'm feeling not good enough. And then you go into the program, great. I'm on top of the world while I'm in the program and things are going great. And then you're out of the program. Oh crap, here I go again. I need another program. Like this constant, this just constant circle and this cycle of it. And it's so exhausting. It is so exhausting to be in it and it's you know at least for me it's like in this evaluating of like just what do I actually invest in it's no longer coming from this place of truly lack where it's like oh I have to do this because then I'll then I'll feel good about myself and rather than like I really desire to be in this space right now and I, I appreciate I've actually had like Tina and I had co- conversations about that and she actually helped me like create this awareness of like, I desire to be in the energy of, of this rather than like, I need this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And so I just, this whole piece of the coaching industry, it's just like, it's not working for anybody and we've got to really pay attention to that.
0: It's not. And like, I really think um, I filmed a little like real and I haven't posted it yet But like I truly think this industry is about to crumble if we don't start centering it in decolonization Um and anti-racism work and actually like really deconstructing this um colonial capitalistic White supremacy culture of it all if decolonization is not at the center of yeah. it, it's it's people are seeing it and it's not just Indigenous, black and brown, and people of color, global majority, it's everybody. And they're starting to see through the BS of like, just, just the lack of integrity that's out there. And, and obviously this is not all coaches, right? I, I, I'm friends with so many coaches, I know so many amazing coaches and mentors, and I know how big the hearts are of many of these women, but there are a lot who are really out of integrity. They're, they're saying how much money they're making, but then behind closed doors, they're defaulting on payments to their mentors cause they're in the same, they're in the same cycle of yeah. buying the next expensive thing and thinking they need it. And then they're actually in debt, but they're bragging about like six K weeks or they're bragging about, um, five figure cash days or six figure weeks. And then they're hatler they're like, um, what's the word? Oh, here comes the brain fog. They're <laughs> haggling with people about like, you know, $300 payments or like mm. like little things and these are real stories that I'm hearing every single day in my DMS um, from like former coaches that I used to work with or friends who work for big coaches and these are mm. big coaches who are boasting about big numbers and I've just I've seen too much behind the curtain to like unsee it yeah. and I think I think that the people as a whole are seeing it and are like not you know we're not wooed by it anymore we're not I'm not wooed and and i'm not intoxicated by this millionaire coach life anymore it's just it's not enough the numbers do not impress me what i want to know is what are you doing with that money what are you doing to decolonize what are you doing to support all women or are you just adding to this toxic white supremacy culture and hiring Mm -hmm. more white women and training more white women to be wealthy and and really not even happy with themselves because they're also stuck in that cycle
1: yeah and so I guess like the question that comes up for me and especially just, you know, being in the space, being in the industry and being white, um, what, like, obviously the huge freaking question, which I know is something that I know you do consulting as well, but even just to kind of like a little sprinkle of it is like, what, what do we do? Like, where, where do we start? What do we do? I know it's a loaded question <laughs> yeah. i know it's so loaded and it's not going to be something that is going to be answered in one sitting but just whatever you feel yeah. comes up
0: yeah i know it's a great question the first the first place to start is with your own mind your own um acknowledging your own unlearning and relearning and learning and actually like doing your own work because we are not taught this in school we are taught the opposite of the school i even went to school on a first nations reserve and my history class we learned a very watered down version of the truth we learned a very whitewashed version of the truth about residential schools and i only learned about it upon my own research in college when i then wrote that story on residential schools because i was became so fired up about it um and even then i remember it was hard to find interviews from survivors and i was like searching on youtube and google and all the places and it was so hard to find information. So we really mm-hmm. do, uh, like, of course the governments are not gonna tell us, hey, here's all the genocide that we committed. Here's all the horrible things we did because they don't want an uprising. They don't want people to, they, they, they want it that way. They wanna keep yeah. their power structures in place. So it's, it's really your job as an individual to do your own learning and unlearning. So pick up the anti-racism books um, books like Black Like Me or um, I forget how many things it is 20, 20 something. No, it might be 90 something things you didn't know about the Indian Act, right? Mm-hmm. Learn about residential schools. Um, Asha Frost's book, You Are the Medicine, she talks a lot about um, indigenous people and our trauma specifically. Um, there's just so many resources where you can start leaning in the book white Women that I talked about a lot on my page and today such a good place to start but it really starts with your own mind and as i taught at the round table which is an event i have specifically for coaches you can purchase the replay um it's up now for 88 dollars for over like two and a half hours of content
1: it's incredible
0: um i just have to throw that in (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much um yeah it's it's to me it's like the most wise investment you could ever make especially at this time um and i go into like decolonization is threefold there's three parts so one is mind It's unlearning, learning, and relearning. And one is the words that you speak. And the third piece is action. So we don't want to just stay in the learning and the silently like listening behind the scenes and supporting people behind the scenes. Like a DM to me or to a person of color doing this work is not support. Like a private message being like, I'm in solidarity with you. Love everything you're saying. Loved your post. Screw those trolls. Like that's not support. Go on. The public wall with your support. Share it on your page with your support. Purchase my offers with your support. Do like put the put the learning into action too is the other piece um, that mm-hmm. we want to make sure we're not missing. But yeah, yeah, there's so much specifically that coaches can do also just to make sure their practices are um, like going beyond just general anti-racism work, like specifically in coaches. And I give this. I'll, I break this down a lot in the round table, but like even the way that you hold space for people, the way you intake and onboard a new client, you can ask them questions about their lived experience. You can ask if there's cultural, um, things that you need to consider when working with them. Um, You can lean in more, get curious. You might need to switch up your modalities. Um, so common example that I always give is like, for me as an indigenous woman, I always feel super uncomfortable in situations where it's like popcorn style just just unmute yourself and jump in or if you're in a circle in person like just jump in and speak when you want to share I yeah hate that <laughs> and it may be so also, uncomfortable like, oh,
1: and i go. usually i'm like i never say anything <laughs>
0: yeah and, it's, and then the call goes and calls ends and you're like i didn't even get support on that thousand dollar call that i just paid to be on like oh. um and so yeah it could also just be an introvert thing but like specifically for me too we grew up even in my household actually like we had this like talking stick or a talking feather and when you're holding that that's your turn to talk and you don't speak until it's passed to you or until you're asked to be spoke like asked to speak and Mm -hmm. so it feels disrespectful because that's what we're taught in our culture is like you don't just jump in uninvited it's disrespectful And we also, as Indigenous people, like we take our time, we get to hear each other's stories, we take time to open up. So cultures literally affect the way our brains work, they affect the way we operate. So assuming that everyone operates like an outgoing American Canadian white woman is is just not safe and comfortable for everybody. Um, So that's one thing you can implement is like, just making sure everyone has a turn to share don't freak out if you go two minutes over time, even though your coach told you your time's the most precious, valuable thing on the planet Earth, and yeah. <laughs> your your time and your energy is like God's gift to the world. And if you go <laughs> a second over, then you're not honoring your boundaries. Like, no, I'm
1: yeah. no. We need to decolonize that too, and mm-hmm. so many things you can change like that. Yeah, and and. It's, I, I'm so glad that I listened to your podcast episode the other day too. So I, I definitely highly suggest to anyone like to listen to it too. Um, it was so, yeah. so powerful to listen to that episode too, because I know you were also going into these things too. And just the simplicity, like this simplicity <laughs> Literally. of, and, and of course, when things are virtual, it doesn't look like a circle, but yeah, you can still implement that yes. exact same Concept you can implement a circle in on zoom conversations everyone's muted and The one person is speaking and the one person has the floor and the one person gets to either take up as much space as they want Or as little space and whatever Mm -hmm. they're comfortable with too, and I think there's also just that piece of you know respecting and not making it about you if someone doesn't feel safe and comfortable on call number one to yeah. tell their entire life story yes we're not we're not all there and so I think even just that honoring and that respect of being able to just allow that space right like allow that space for people to to recognize something so and and that's why I'm so glad even with our collective voices because it just feels like this is the space that we can truly like, bring in the action of everything that you're sharing. And that's why I'm so grateful for you. And I know Tina is as well. And we just appreciate it so much because we're like looking at it in this lens of like, where can we, where can we do better here? You know, where can we give voice? Where can we bring, call you in and bring in that invitation? Because I think there's also that piece too of just acknowledgement and recognizing and, you know creating that space to say I see you yes we can't under underestimate that acknowledgement piece you know to be able to say I see you and I see your story and here like here's the invitation here's the invitation because we see you you know being seen
0: is every everyone just wants to be seen Yeah, truly like that's what it comes down to And when white coaches simply like don't mention race or don't mention oppression or ancestral trauma or they do, but they like really quickly gloss over it because of their own comfort and not wanting to say the wrong thing and not wanting to like discuss their privilege or acknowledge it. That's the opposite of letting us feel seen as Mm. people in the global majority. Um, And it's, it reactivates that trauma, especially when when there is that glossing over and then coaches and mentors say things like, yeah, we all have like ancestral trauma and and stuff, obviously. So like, look into that, like literally a coach said that one time in a program I was in, look into that. And, um, but everyone (laughs) literally,
1: I don't even know how to (laughs)
0: respond to (laughs) that, (laughs) but they'll be like, but we all have personal power. We can all choose our beliefs and even access to belief, even access to seeing yourself, in the spotlight or seeing yourself um represented is not something we all have equal access to like how many times a day do you um have to struggle to like find a role model that you look up to like someone you want to be is that something that you have even had to like think about whereas for me i'm like oh my god i'm so happy and i talk about her all the time that i found asha frost who is an indigenous um, a woman she's a best-selling author she's a speaker she's a mentor I'm in her programs right now because I'm like whoa she's paving the way for me but that's something most white women are not like oh my gosh if only there was a white woman that I could look up to like they're everywhere and it yeah. used to it used to be like okay if any woman succeeds we're all like yeah go women um, but it's such is not the case anymore and we need to women need to stop just looking through things from that gender lens and thinking that Um, oppression is only happening from the patriarchy and from
1: misogyny.
0: It's like, you're actually oppressing Mm -hmm. us, other women, um, women of color and indigenous women at the same time. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but
1: yeah, Mm -hmm. I I just thought of when you were saying like that whole example of like how difficult, you know, it's how difficult it's been for you to say, like, I can easily pinpoint probably more than one, more than one, probably even on two hands. Yeah, role models, and 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 it's the truth, and it's something that we truly have to see. And I, I literally just thought about, um, is it Ariel, This the Disney character where they, is it yeah. Ariel? Mm-hmm. It, it is Ariel, right? I I was seeing it on TikTok, and you know the 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 new Ariel, and well, it's Ariel. like, yeah, that even just that for, right. like, it's it's. A beautiful thing it, mm-hmm. it truly is and it's like yeah and like you said it's not just about gender it's now we truly have to look at us all it's not just all, all women it's no we've, we've got to all do better especially as white women um, and this is the thing that I feel like you've truly like just it's like awakened and it's like you got to stop pretending it doesn't exist yeah and, and like you said, it truly came from place of discomfort, place of like, I don't even know where to begin. And truthfully, I don't even remember. And I was actually thinking about this. Like, I don't remember learning about this stuff in history class. And I know we did. It's like very vague, but it's like, did it even stick? Did it even penetrate where I was like, holy crap, what is this? And so part of me is like, is that something that we're learning at such a young age? And is it doing anything for good if we're learning it like in elementary school? I'm kind of like, is that necessary for us to learn? Or is it something that when we have the ability to actually process, is that better? And I'm curious like your opinion on like the whole history piece.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think kids should be learning this stuff from a young age for sure i think mm. adults uh, parents should be having conversations with their kids about racism for an, from an early age because people say it's so complicated i don't know how to talk to it's not complicated yeah. it's not complicated and you need to talk to your kids about it just the way same way you would talk to them about like being careful when people are acting suspicious you know, strangers who are you know exhibiting unusual behaviors it's not complicated Um, And I do think kids can handle it and they need to know it from a young age. But the other thing too, and yeah, like the history needs to be more, it needs to be taught in much more honest, clear ways, like truth Mm. and reconciliation. We need that truth piece for sure. Um, And not the whitewashed version of it that we all have in so many ways. Um, Even when we look at like the Thanksgiving holiday and things like this where, uh, or even like Canada day where we make everything seem like it's great and wonderful and we're all getting along. when. This country was literally built on genocide Um, and the other thing is that it's to remember it's not just history this is ongoing and colonization is ongoing and colonization is really just another word for white supremacy because that's what that's that's what is the foundation of this colonization where, you, you know, European states took over lands, um, dispossessed indigenous people of the lands. It was all based on the idea that one race is superior to all others and it's still ongoing. It's still upholding white people in power, which is where they want to stay. So they work, they meaning all white people work every single day to uphold this hierarchy um Mm -hmm. which everything was founded upon and it's going to take so much effort on all of our parts to unlearn it and dismantle it but yeah i think it should start from a young age for sure
1: yeah um there was actually something that you said on your podcast and it really goes yeah it's reminding me because obviously what you're saying but how if we want to see the change i'm gonna i i don't want to butcher what you said but i feel like you'll probably be like ah that's what i said it was something about white people being the change, like how we um, need to yeah. be that change. And I, I, I would love for you to kind of like dive into that a little bit or just yeah. expand or properly say it.
0: No, that's, I, I don't remember my exact wording, but um, it basically like it's not going to be the oppressed people that end oppression. It's not gonna be black, brown, indigenous yes. people who end racism. It's going to be the people with power and privilege. That's why it's so important I mean, why I appreciate you so much, Ashley-Ann, is because like, the unfortunate reality is that people listen to and value white voices over all else, white everything over all else. So it is the responsibility of people with this white privilege and myself included in this because I'm white passing and I'm half white. And I do like, I'll tell you a little story in a second. I do have this kind of like, Influence over white women because they see themselves in me. Yeah, like like reality check, right? If you're brutally honest Yeah, really you take it better hearing it from me than maybe a black, black or brown person correct thousand percent So that's my job to use my privilege in that in that way. Mm. Um, and it's all white people's job to use their privilege in that
1: way yeah, yeah. it's it's I don't know why that like makes me It's it makes me emotional because I'm just like, you know, it's it's so beautiful to see in your own acknowledgement as well of. Using how you're using your own white privilege for that, you know, and I and again, like you're you're teaching us so many things of white passing like. I never you know what I mean, like I I'm like, I would never even think about that, even just the way you're it's not just BIPOC, it's the global majority, you're not minority like yeah. let's be real and and just again i think it truly the round table and that's why i think everyone i don't if you're not in the coaching industry i don't even care like round table is so powerful to watch and i've watched obviously i've watched it the first time but it's like i know that the next time that i go and see it there's gonna be something else that i hear it's like right now for me it's like really that safe piece just struck a chord and it's like mm-hmm. sitting with that but it's like the next time then you'll learn something else you hear something else you're gonna integrate something else and i know tina has watched it probably a few times already <laughs> and she's like just integrating these different elements and it's yeah, like I love us you know i and i'm also happy that her and i between us as two white women like we're also having the conversations you know between us and i think that's also important and you know, I it's uncomfortable to bring these conversations into your household and to yeah. your family is uncomfortable. And truthfully, I have gotten to arguments with family members and I'm like, it's uncomfortable. And sometimes it might feel like your point is never gonna be yeah. put across, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And that's why when you said what you said about like us being the ones that create the change. It's like, that's our responsibility. Yeah, We've got to look at that. We can't take that lightly, you know? And it's just beyond posting a black square. It's beyond just resharing, a, you know, something like beyond resharing a post about how many children were found. Like it's, it's beyond that. It is beyond that. But even that is
0: lacking in the coaching industry. Like for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, if you, can't even bring yourself to post a black fricking square, which yeah. is most likely like performative anyways, and nothing else happening after that. If you can't even reshare my story, if you can't even reshare about indigenous people um, being missing and murdered, if you can't even reshare about like Black Lives Matter, anything like like that's the bare minimum, and that's not even <laughs> happening because people yeah. don't want to be political or they don't think it belongs in this industry um but yeah it goes beyond that and our your silence like white silence is approval of racist behavior and comments so like if you're at a thanksgiving dinner and your uncle says something horribly racist and you say nothing your silence is taken as agreement and approval whether you meant it to or not so it's not enough just to be like oh i'm glad that's not me i'm not racist because you're not overtly racist You're upholding it every single time you stay silent and you do nothing. And like people wonder why people of color and indigenous people have trust issues with white people. We'll just look at the history, look at the genocide, look at the cultural appropriation, the theft, everything that's happened. But for me, it's the silence. It's the, I've had my heart broken by Mm. my white friends who when I was sharing about issues happening close to home, like indigenous reserves, Um, protests were happening and and RCMP and police force were coming and putting rifles in our elders faces when they were just peacefully drumming and singing and protecting the land that we all should be protecting the water we all should be protecting and they were inflicting more harm on us and on the environment and the silence from my white friends I had like one or two white friends who would always reshare my stuff and Mm -hmm. comment on, on other than that it was like crickets And it's the silence that breaks my heart. And so that's when I, that's why I kind of decided like I I refuse to be that silence for my black friends, for my brown friends, because I know how painful that is. And I was also silent for years and years because it was just easier and safer and more comfortable. Um, And friends would literally introduce me. I had a friend in high school introduce me to her dad and he was clearly racist. And she introduced me by saying, this is my friend Emily, she's from the Rez, but don't worry, she's a cool native. And a cool native, meaning I don't go in protests, I don't join the protests, yeah. I don't join the marches, I don't cause a ruckus, I don't cause a scene. Yeah. And that's what it meant to be a cool native and don't don't like rock the boat, don't cause any discomfort. And I'm like, I regret being a cool native because that silence was oppressive to my own people and to my own detriment.
1: Yeah, and... I- that's exactly what it is. It's just not. And I think what's also, um, you know, and I've, I've witnessed, like, I remember when, you know, everything unfolded when the children were found, the bodies were found. And I remember just this feeling of like, I have no idea what to say, but this is not okay. You know, and sometimes it's even just that it's, it's even at least again, it's just not staying silent Yeah, and, and it's okay to say, I don't know what to say, but, but I'm going to go and I'm going to learn and I'm going to, I'm just going to dive in and I'm going to learn. And there was, yeah, I don't know, someone who shared a Netflix movie. I don't know who it was, but someone, someone did. And I just, it was just so beautiful. And I'm like, and this is what we need to do. You know, it's just, have the having the conversations it's being it's saying like just allowing your say to say the wrong thing that it's better than not saying nothing yeah yeah it is and be open to being called out on your shit too yeah you know like i'm i'm you know when it call me out you know what i mean and that's where i truly i remember being in the the round table and watching it live and there was definitely moments i was like whoo We've been called out but actually it's okay this is necessary this is necessary but i felt it i tr- truthfully i did and you know what i'm i'm here for it i'm so freaking here for it thank you that
0: makes me really happy to hear and i love how much you and tina have like really just taken the round table and ran with it and tina's messaged me that she she has it on replay uh on repeat and i yeah she gets something new from it every time and it just means the world and to see you both putting it to action into action is so I can't even tell you how much it means and how heartwarming it is um, that, yeah, this work is making a difference and it's being put into action. It's everything. And like you said, like being afraid, this is what I hear all the time. It's from well-meaning, beautiful hearted, amazing white women coaches. They're like, I just don't, I don't know what to say. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't think it's my place to speak up. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to be called performative. And if you just listen to all those things I just said, what did I just say? I, 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 me, 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 right? And if you get called performative, guess what? I've been called worse, we've been called worse, way worse. There's worse things in life than being called performative. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I love what you said about like, do it anyway. And you can also just yeah. share your platform, there's a time um when you might want to speak like when you're going to speak speak about your white privilege speak about your own discomfort and how you're dismantling it and Mm -hmm. when you're wanting to talk about indigenous issues have an indigenous person on who is an expert in that field just like we're doing tonight right have a black person on have a brown person on um and be in healthy reciprocity with them don't tokenize them or use them obviously but be in healthy reciprocity and know when it's your time to just use your platform to
1: pass the mic. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and amplify the voices.
1: Percent. Exactly, oh my gosh. I am I am so, so grateful for, for you and for you to have this conversation with me because um, I also think it's important to acknowledge that, acknowledge that for the global majority, it's also exhausting. It's also exhausting to literally be like, listen please like just just continuing so i also acknowledge that too and i also acknowledge that like it doesn't it's not your responsibility either but you've um what's the word that i'm looking for it's like it's it's not your responsibility but you have this passion and you're like you're doing it in such a beautiful way that is So needed and I'm, I'm I am glad that you are doing the work that you do And I also acknowledge just that it's not your responsibility. It's our own. It's our us white people It's our responsibility to go and do this work. Yeah
0: Yeah, it is and if people are willing to do it like I am doing and they're willing to do it for for a living like for yeah. for an energetic exchange for money then absolutely like support them and I think as long as we stay in healthy reciprocity that's how it's gonna be sustainable um, like I just posted a quote today actually it was like it's, it's only sustainable when it's healthy reciprocity so like you purchasing yeah. the round table, you sharing about it that is the stuff that helps fuel me and refill me to keep going um, we'll mm-hmm. see like we'll see because I already know this is going to be a very like emotionally heavy it already is like labor-intensive journey, um, and we'll we'll see how long I do this work. It feels like this fire is just getting started, and like yeah. it's gonna burn for a very long time. So long as I remain in healthy reciprocity with the people who want to learn from me.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. So, with the last like few minutes uh, before Instagram cuts us off, I would love for you to just share. Really the work like some of the work that you're doing and and the offerings that you have as well um, The podcast the consulting that you're doing but also like the mindset stuff like whatever you have on top I'd love for you to share.
0: Oh sure. Thank you so much. I'd love to um, Yeah, so we talked about it a lot today The easiest way to get started is the roundtable <laughs> which was a live virtual event in October that we recorded um, and it's basically like a two-hour long masterclass and panel Um, on how to decolonize your coaching business. It's so nitty gritty. There's so many stories in there. We go into so many specific, tangible ways that things that you can implement um, and you can watch it over and over as Ashley Ann and Tina have been doing. Um, It's $88, it's in my bio and it's instant instant replay access. Um, If you're ready to take the next step, I have one-on-one consultation packages and I have those range from like 1K to 12K I'm going to be increasing prices in 2023 um, but those are like people who want one-on-one like support with your messaging support with your programs support with your application forms your intake forms the nitty-gritty going through your business with a fine-tooth comb um, yeah. to decolonize and to make it more safe and supportive but also you have to be committed to your own mindset to your own learning and unlearning I'm now going to require that you read the book white women because it's such a good read um, before Mm -hmm. working with me one-on-one as well as I'll give you suggested action lists suggested reading things like that for your own continual learning Um, and that to me is just like the smartest from a business perspective the smartest investment you could ever make because as Ashley Ann said we are the global majority 80 more than 80 percent of us are black indigenous People of colors. So that's why the term global majority exists. And if you're an online global business, you might want to learn how to serve the global majority. That's a huge market to tap into. You're only serving 20% right now. If you're only calling in white women, and mm-hmm. so many people didn't even realize until the roundtable that like, oh my God, I'm only calling in white women. My my spaces are filling with all white women. I didn't even notice. And that's your own white supremacy in action. Um, but Yeah, there's a range of packages depending on where you are in your business. Um, And then actually, if you're in the global majority, I also work uh, directly with people in the global majority on empowerment, on becoming um, emboldened in your voice, in your medicine, in your gifts, and manifesting success and wealth, whatever that looks like to you. And I'll have a group program coming in the new year. So you can just DM me to get on the little informal wait list I have going on for that. Um and it's gonna be a super accessible, beautiful, community-based program that I'm really excited about. So um mm. yeah, I think that's everything. And then my podcast is called the Souls Way Podcast. So and we good. can connect on here on Instagram. Mm.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. I'm definitely gonna leave um I'll leave links down below, like of course, to you to you and your your own page. So it's I know it'll be easy. For people to access it um all the links in your bio and i appreciate you too like i'm all those books i'm like i have them on my like amazon uh, you know my amazon read list, list like, yeah yeah the wish list exactly that's what i'm looking for but i create one just for books um Love so i like starting to add all these ones that i hear you talking about i'm like we're adding this here <laughs> um so i appreciate you so much just for for being here for for sharing for talking about your story um for feeling comfortable to share with me and to be on the show and to everyone who has tuned in and watched so much love and appreciation to all of you as well Um, emily thank you so 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 much
0: thank you all thank you linda thank you emmy and everyone watching bye
1: bye have an amazing
0: evening thank you thanks again so much for being here it really does mean the world and one way that you can thank me, that you can thank any podcaster, if you get any value from my medicine, from my shares, from anything our guests have shared, the biggest way you can thank a podcaster is by sharing. So take a screenshot, tag me at Emily Ann Brandt on your Instagram stories. I'll be sure to reshare and thank you. And better yet, if you have just a minute, take a minute leave a review, or even tap and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It means the world. It helps us reach more people and get this medicine out there. Thank you again for being here. Please hang out with me on Instagram or come join our Facebook group, The Soul's Way. I'll talk to you next time. Love and gratitude.